Welcome to this edition of Northern Business Leaders in association with professional services firm Deloitte. In this edition, we're talking to a successful businesswoman who's not only been successful in business, but also in promoting women in tech. She was the CEO of the year for the English Women's Awards, and she's CEO and co-founder of a highly successful Leeds-based firm, Pan Intelligence. Welcome, Sandra Moore. Thank you. Sandra, let's talk about Pan Intelligence. It's been growing 20% every year. Tell me about what it does and who its customers are. Uh, thank you, Natalie. Um, Pan Intelligence is a data analytics software developer. Um, we help software companies and their customers to get better insights from data, mm -hmm. not just on what's happening today, but also on what's likely to happen tomorrow. So predicting outcomes. Um, people call that machine learning, but what we try and do is make that incredibly easy for anybody to be able to get the value out of the data that they already have in their organisations. Uh, we're a, a small company, growing fast with great ambitions. Mm -hmm. uh, all of our team are based here in Leeds, and uh, as a software company, we're predominantly a technical organisation. Thank you. So tell us about the journey. Um, you started out as a spin-out with just six of you, you're now at 40. What have the main milestones been in that journey? Um, that's a great question. We were a part of another technology company in Leeds called Pancredit. So they were a big software vendor for the banks and financial intermediaries. Mm -hmm. um, we were a, a small team within that company and we had developed what was the early stages of Pan Intelligence as a decisioning engine for the big banks. Um, that business got acquired and as a small team we decided that we would spin out Pan Intelligence and did a management buyout back in 2014. Uh, as a, a small team of six people, we uh, sort of literally walked the server across the, um, the car park um, mm -hmm. over to another building and um, really started a journey of taking this product outside the financial services space into uh, other software vendors. And um, that journey has been what we've stayed focused and true to over those five years. And we've grown that business from six people now to 40. Um, as you've said, 20% year on year growth, which is fantastic. And we're just about to uh, move into a series A, having bootstrapped the business from inception um, and real ambitions to scale and move the business outside of the UK uh, with an international lens uh, starting in the US. Fantastic. So let's talk about that scale up which you're going through right now. Um, slightly different approach. You asked the potential investors to pitch to you. So go through that if you wouldn't mind. I think um, it started for me as um, a journey on a, a programme, a scale-up programme, where mm. I think the art of the possible for us as a business in how we might approach the funding market became clear. I think what I realised in, in doing that scale-up programme was that actually we had a very attractive business and proposition. We have 75% recurring revenues. Mm -hmm. uh, we are a, a, a product company and not dependent on consultancy and services. Uh, and actually the market of data analytics and machine learning and AI has a huge amount of interest from uh, venture funds and actually um, there was not many good opportunities out in the market so we decided to sort of flip it on its head a little bit and work and instruct an advisor to manage a process for us and go to market um, uh, asking for interested parties to to give us an opportunity to um, pitch to them and, and them to us really um, and we're just um, finalizing that uh, now and, and we've uh, uh, 
uh, we're in a position of uh, being in due diligence and uh, we'll have completed that first round of funding within the next month or so. Fantastic. And that's for 2.4 million? Uh, that's for their growth capital. There, mm. there, there is an opportunity for us in this process to also um, rebalance the cap table around those people that are going to really accelerate the growth for the company, which we've also been able to cater for um, in the transaction, which has been great. And it really shores us up for, for the next phase of growth, of which we will be looking to more than double the turnover within the first couple of years and the staff numbers as well. Fantastic. Now, one of those potential funders was the Northern Powerhouse Investment Fund. Tell us a little bit about your experience with them. So the Northern Powerhouse Fund uh, I'd not heard of before uh, we started on the fundraise process. In fact, this is the first time I've taken a business through a fundraise. Um, they were presented to me as somebody we, we should consider and they did uh, get involved in the process. Interestingly for us, we found accessibility to the, um, the, the loan side of the, the mm -hmm. Powerhouse Fund um, uh, easier for us as a business mm -hmm. um, than actually the venture side and um, subsequently we've, we've found ourselves uh, not following through with, with that. Um, not that it doesn't remain a, a, a key uh, cornerstone to us enabling the economy in the mm -hmm. north but I think there are some ways in which perhaps um, uh, that fund could be more accessible to businesses like ours and, and I, I think there are there's some opportunity to do that and we would be keen to, to, to enable that if we could. That's very interesting, thank you. So, so now I'd like us to talk about your personal journey. So what was your initial interest in the IT sector? Um, I was lucky to have a role model and not many people do. Um, my mother was a, a, her own powerhouse really as a, an early woman in tech in mm. the Leeds community. She was at the starting point and foundations of a number of, of new innovative sectors in the region including internet service provision with Planet Online, with cloud and hosted infrastructure through in technology and um, is still one of those people today that People come up to me and say, how's your mum? Because they have a story about how she influenced and inspired them um, as, as a role model to, in, in her career. Um, so it's very easy for me to imagine myself in IT when you, you have that kind of role model at home. So unlike most people, I left university with a very clear vision of what I wanted to do. I, you know, I wanted to be my mum, really. Mm -hmm. uh, but more importantly, I wanted to work in the technology sector and... I had a clear vision for wanting to be in a leadership role and, and, and grow a tech business in the region and, and that's always been with me from a very, very early age. Um, and something else which is quite fascinating, your interest in football. Yeah, no, found, me, found me late in life as, uh, at that one. That's definitely <laughs> not been a, a passion that started from a young age. Um, I've never played football. Um, I've never... Uh, I've never actually been uh, passionate about following the game up until recent years and it was my children that brought me to that so my children are 13 and 11 um, my daughter was playing football with boys and you get to an age where suddenly boys realise that, that um, there's a girl on the pitch with them and, and the dynamic changes. Um, the club that my both my children played at didn't have a girls team so my daughter who has absolute faith and belief in me said mummy you can do anything let's set up a girls football team and how can you answer anything but okay when you have that kind of um, unfaltering belief in you. So I became an FA football coach um, and uh, trained to do that and now I have um, 47 girls across three age groups. Uh, I coach the under 14s and I now have a deep love of football and uh, follow 
Leeds United with passion and disappointment. Um, um, but it's, you know, it's a real joy and it's a real joy to be able to enable uh, young women to embark on uh, a hobby that really gives them the foundations for um, life skills, which actually really translate to the workplace and team building and working together and playing to your strengths are all things that from sport really translate into the workplace. So it's become a passion I found and one I don't think that will leave me either. So Fantastic. So one of the questions which I'd like to ask you is clearly relatively fearless in setting something up, mm. such as a girls football team. Um, at what point did you decide that you would rather run your own business opposed to working for someone? Mm, yeah. Again, that's a tipping point. I think mm -hmm. these things sometimes find you. You don't find them. Um, when I became uh, a mother, um, it became increasingly difficult to maintain a, a senior leadership role as an employee in an organisation on a part-time basis, which is what I needed at the time. Um, I was a sales director of a software company. Uh, it's difficult to have a field-based role and, and, and expect to manage and lead teams. And, um, and I realised actually I needed to sort of take control of that opportunity for myself at that stage in my career. I was already looking for opportunities to either be um, invested in a business or certainly have options or holding of a company. But it was at that point I realised I should probably just go for it. Um, set up my own uh, independent consultancy to software vendors, uh, worked with lots of startup tech companies, it, it, which is where really uh, Pan Intelligence and the journey of Pan Intelligence started for me. So they were a client that used me as a, uh, an interim sales leader resource, um, and that resulted in me having an opportunity to buy the business alongside my other co-founders. Um, so I think... Um, Adversity uh, brought about great opportunity and I think sometimes you need to look for opportunity um, uh, and that's what happened for me really. And we've spoken about adversity but let's also talk about diversity. So 17% female represented in the tech sector, mm. what can we do more to increase that diversity? It's become um, something that I'm increasingly wrestling with within my business, <laughs> never mind mm -hmm. as an agenda which I've become increasingly engaged in outside of the company. Um, it's really quite embarrassing to be in a sector that is so young and to have such a challenge around um, diversity. Uh, there are things we can do mm -hmm. and things that we need to take a good look at our practices and the the approaches to bringing talent into organisations that I think the whole tech sector needs to continue to ask themselves about. For me, um, it's not been as difficult, I think, where you have an intentional um, focus on maintaining a diverse culture and workforce and adopt an approach to making sure that you are definitely seeking candidates from mm. every possible um, community. Uh, that will invariably give you a greater diverse um, pipeline of, of people into your organisation. So we are very intentional about how we do that, but it's still difficult. And the tech sector is suffering from a gap in the STEM pipeline of young women choosing STEM skills, 
moving from um, primary education into further education where that drops off significantly. And there are organisations that, one that I sit on the steering group for called uh, Founders for Schools, which is very mm -hmm. much tackling that agenda. Uh, and we're working in Leeds with all of the schools to see how we can reduce that drop off and maintain girls into STEM subjects so that the pipeline is even bigger for, for us as a, a sector. So uh, it is a combination of the two, pipeline and, and, and uh, policies and approach to, to making sure you're fishing in all the ponds that are available. Do you feel we're making up ground where diversity is concerned? I think it's been really interesting to see how the voice that has been given to the agenda of diversity, not just um, gender diversity, but across the board, mm -hmm. um, uh, the, the voice that that now has um, across organisations and in the media, I think, is, has, has been a positive influence in really getting people to think and challenge themselves on how that can be addressed. I think some diversity agendas get more focused than others. Mm -hmm. um, we particularly care about neurodiversity here and we look to make sure that it's a safe working environment for, for anybody with perhaps um, a challenge around um, uh, abilities that may may be difficult for them to to work in an organization comfortably um, for example autism uh, mm -hmm. in uh, IT is quite common to find developers that actually have those kind of spectrum disorders so making sure that they have an environment that they feel they can work within is really important um, so we don't just tackle diversity from a gender point of view but I'm probably best known for probably banging that drum if I'm being brutally honest so I run a, a women's network called Lean in Leeds mm -hmm. uh, we have 600 members they're all professional women in the Leeds community and that agenda is um, about us empowering women to challenge themselves as to what they can do to make that change happen, both for themselves and for their organisations. So it's a real empowerment movement from my point of view in making sure that we positively change the focus on um, what we as a community of women in the region can do to accelerate our own opportunities and um, promote um, positive change in organisations that will really enable everyone to succeed. And it's an incredible group, that. The largest outside of London, yeah. I understand. So well, congratulations yeah. with that. And um, I think one of the questions that we are um, addressed with is around the future of men. You know, how far do we take the diversity agenda? And those questions are often raised by men. So, you know, will we come to a, a tipping point where we do need to reconsider or are we still some distance away from that? As a leader of a business, I, you know, I cannot get away from the fact that it's always about the right person for the job. Mm -hmm. And we always have to ask ourselves that question, um, striking the balance between diversity and culture and people that can deliver the objectives for all the stakeholders um, to ensure that the business is um, growing, profitable, sustainable, because ultimately without that, there is no organisation and culture mm -hmm. and opportunity. So it's a, it's a difficult balance to maintain. I think it is important that as leaders, we are intentional in keeping a focus on diversity. I think we are able to improve um, opportunities for 
as much variety um, of opportunity for everybody in our organisations um, in, in how we recruit, how we retain, uh, how we return people back to our workplaces. Um, and I think there's always work to be done, but I don't think that should ever be focused on one particular area of diversity. And, and it's a big agenda and it's not easy for anybody to get right. Um, but as long as we keep that as a forefront of our strategy and thinking, then we're more likely to, to keep a balance on that um, with business objectives in mind. So so um, I, I, I don't think it's always about the gender agenda. Uh -huh. um, uh, and, it, and if we don't make it always about the gender agenda and we make it about diversity, then um, I think we're, we're more likely to strike the balance. And in Utopia, do you feel that there's a place for diverse groups or would that be something which fails to exist? So I see in my business, innovation thrive. And I know this is said a lot, and it's true, though. Um, innovation does thrive through diversity. You want um, people from every stage of life to be involved in innovating and bringing ideas to the table because they all have different perspectives and different lenses on the value that might bring to the communities that you serve. Mm -hmm. um, you want them to have different um, values and different um, approaches to solving problems um, in order to challenge things like bias and make sure that ethics and things are considered. So diversity absolutely brings about innovation and drives innovation into a positive way that will ensure that your business will be competitive and lead in the market. So I don't think it's a question of, um, I don't know, I'm not painting a picture of what the utopia is, but what mm -hmm. I'm saying is, um, the utopia for me is that everyone values that and every organisation mm -hmm. sees the value that diversity brings beyond it just being a we should. Mm -hmm. um, we should because it will help us to compete and it will help us to deliver solutions which actually will enable us to grow and prosper. And when we see that that's a real correlation, then it will just become at the heart of the decisions that everyone makes. So for me, it's just that um, being uh, inherently part of leadership thinking and focus. Thank you. Zandra, we've seen the play space and now we're in the workspace. Tell us a little bit about the culture here. Uh, so, uh, yes, we, we have um, a culture where people can bring their whole self to work. Um, but more importantly, um, it's about a place where they can feel comfortable, uh, can work in a way that brings the best out in them. We very much work to a strengths approach, so we don't build um, a role. Um, people don't have to build themselves around a role, we build a role around the person. Um, and for me, the best way to get the best out of a team is to ensure that um, they have the space to be creative, innovative and can contribute. Um, so we make it very open here. It's incredibly supportive and it really works in driving our culture. Thank you, Sandra. We'll be back with another episode of Northern Business Leaders brought to you by professional services firm Deloitte.